0: Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening.
1: It. Bye guys. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. Are we back? We're back.
0: Did they tell me to hear you when I said bitch go? Yeah. <laughs> and
1: that's actually great. I'm glad we cut that in.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh. You know? Yeah, that's where we're at, everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Life, mm. man. Yep. Bro. So how was your week? <laughs> promise we're really not high. It's just it's just been a hell of a week, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those weeks where you think that, like, things are going to slow down and things are going to end, and then they fucking
1: don't, man. Mm-hmm. It's just a continual cycle, 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 and you're like, okay. You can stop any time now. Yeah. It'd be nice to have... I would still... Pod, my Pod Hub, this, like, it'd be nice to have a pause button where... It's not that life... Life stops literally like a pause. Nothing's happening. You're kind of like in this nothingness. You do things for yourself. Like take a nap or watch a TV series or read a book. And then you can unpause life and life resumes. Because holy shit. It just feels like... I had... So I had to
0: go to the fucking eye doctor. Like I don't hate the eye doctor like I hate the dentist. I just find it a nuisance. Like annoying. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I get that. Like my my prescription's been the same for years. Like, why are you making me come in once a year just to have my goddamn contacts?
1: They always say it's like so they can catch something like glaucoma early, and I get that. But well, I'm with you. Mine is a dentist. They want you every six months. I go every six months, and I hate those motherfuckers. We already talked about the dentist couple episodes ago. I know. I know. I'm just saying, like. When I was a kid, it was like every year. Why is it every six months now? Is What I was told is, is this because they, they again, same idea. They can find a cavity sooner rather than later. But I'm like, I think I just want twice the money. Well,
0: right, insurance covers my teeth cleanings, which yeah, is still, what I get every six months. Exactly, but they're getting paid. They're still getting paid. Not I, by don't you have to, I don't have to pay them, so what does it matter? I don't know. Why do you need me to be here that many times? I mean, I'm just saying. I find the eye doctor, while it is not as like I don't hate it like the dentist. Mm-hmm. I just find it a, an annoyance. Like yeah. it annoys me. Yeah, I get that. And then you know, and then I show up and I'm like, Little Miss Fucking Sunshine. Like I'm I sure. want to be their favorite patient. I'm sure. You're like I Miss fucking won a Miss Congeniality award.
1: Are you really super smiley and happy, or are you just being extremely sarcastic right now? I was like, I li- no, I'm being serious. Okay. <laughs> I I'm talk. being
0: serious. Like, you would not have recognized me. You'd be like, she looks like Amanda,
1: but that's not her. Yeah, no. Because, I mean, you're pleasant. You're not an unpleasant person, but you're not exactly like bubbly or oh i was over the
0: top extra i were you high i nope i should you be high i don't i don't want to be that annoying
1: like the patient you hate oh well i don't i don't think you'd be the patient that they hate unless you're going to be like screaming obscenities at him or something but i don't know <laughs> you, you don't have to go over the top with it
0: either you i was over like the it. top extra i don't know what the i
1: don't know <sighs> I don't know, it was, yeah. It was too much. It, I was too much. Maybe that's why you don't like it, because you you overact the entire time, and you're exhausted.
0: I mean, I'm normally too much in the other direction. Not like caring too much, just, right. in general, I'm too much. <laughs> you have a lot of strong opinions about things. Talk to my husband, I'm just too much in general. <laughs> But this time I was too much miscongeniality.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: I know that's hard for you to. It is hard for me
1: to understand. Wrap your brain around. Yeah, especially because, you know, you listen to the podcast, y'all know. I don't have to tell you. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I would. It's because I think I'm in the Truman show and I just wanted to show my different ranges.
1: <laughs> We're available for hire as actors, apparently. <laughs>
0: i mean y'all know because you're watching me because i'm in the truman show it's true y'all aren't listening to
1: me you're watching me
0: where's the camera it's in there
1: (laughs) oh so amanda just got back from a what i'm now calling side quests (laughs) Mm -hmm. i refuse to call them errands anymore they just sound so like boring so i'll let you take it from here because um sounds like a story
0: Actually, I had um, started typing you a message, and I called it a hair adventure.
1: Ooh. Well, from what I can see, just so you know, like, it looks gorgeous. Like, I can see the red and the highlights, like, in the sun. It looks beautiful. You want to know
0: why? Well, I'll tell you why here in a minute. So, backstory, my hairdresser I've been going to probably for 10-plus years fucking ghosted all of her clients.
1: Ooh. Now, was this the same girl that was the, was it the eyebrow girl that had her ex like walk in the door and start to threaten people?
0: That was my eyebrow girl.
1: Okay. Yeah. That was some crazy shit. Uh huh. So heads up, if you're an ex, don't do that. (laughs) Just don't be that person. But okay. So she just straight up ghosted everybody. Nobody, do you know where she is? Like, do you follow her on Facebook and things? Like, is she okay? She just isn't doing you know, hair anymore.
0: She decided to stop doing hair and instead of like sending out a text message or whatever, I guess she posted it on Facebook, but I'm never on Facebook. So I didn't get it for a long time until I just happened to like randomly one day be scrolling and it like popped up and I'm like, what?
1: Okay. So, um, You don't really keep up with her Facebook necessarily, but basically saying like, hey, I'm not doing hair anymore. And and that was it. So you had to find another person is what you're saying.
0: Right, right. I didn't find out until it was like basically time to get my hair done. So I'm not the most or bestest at like getting stuff done quickly and so I'm like what am I gonna do what am I gonna do who am I gonna go to so we have an old mutual friend where we reached out I'm like hey you're not doing here. she can make me another couple of months so I had to find somebody hit the google machine found someone went to them and that's today's hair adventure.
1: Well, it looks great. Like from what I can tell, looks like she did a phenomenal job. Um, did, uh, did you have any like issues? Cause I know you were texting me saying like, hey, I can't, <laughs> I'm like nervous about this whole situation. Like, what is she doing? Um, you're at the hair place, new person. Super excited. Well, were you excited? See, I'd be like nervous, but also like, okay, just don't fuck up my hair, please. Just don't fuck up my hair. That's all I want.
0: So, at first, I was excited. I messaged her. I was like, I found some place. I'm excited. This is going to be good. I get there. I see it. I sit down. I know I'm in for a shit show. I know it's going to be bad. So, my roots are just like brown, brown. Do you know? Brown. The rest of my hair is red just the color red like the Crayola color red. This ain't this hair ain't rocket science. She says, what are we doing? I say gonna keep I just need to color up the grays. I'm gonna keep the roots brown, the rest red. It's all we want to do. She says, oh okay, we're just maintaining this yes. every for the past I don't know how many years. brown roots we put the red in the hair. Brown. Well, I think we're on the same page. She brings over a swatch book. Mm-hmm.
1: Why do we need this? Okay. Well, frame of reference, um, actually my girl, I, I gave her a photo cause I'm doing like vivid colors, but she actually, what she did was she went back, makes the color, and then came back and took, like, I'm not kidding you, a yellow piece of construction paper. This is new for me because I was like, what? And then painted on the yellow piece of construction paper the different colors to see how it would, like, essentially come out on my newly bleached hair, you know? And I was like, that was new for me, too. But basically, and then she she put it in front of me going, hey, is this what you're looking for? You know, well, to make sure. And I was like, "Okay, right, sure, you know?
0: The girl that was doing my hair just took the tube of red crayola red squeeze it into the bowl
1: and put it on my hair okay yeah that's definitely different because i'm used to people like mixing color you know they go back and they do the activator Mm-mm. and they do the whole thing oh okay okay gotcha so i'm like okay
0: i'm not gonna say anything right i, I think we know what we're doing from a redkin train salon or what the fuck ever right sure Okay, okay, boo, I got you. Sections off my hair, goes to mix the color. Somebody else comes over and starts looking at my hair. And I, this is where I'm getting a little sus. I'm like, oh, oh, oh brown and red, brown and red, brown and red. <laughs> she goes back to the back. Homegirl comes out. Here's where more red flags fly up and on me because I didn't walk out the door. But if I walked out the door, I'd still have to pay the fee. She didn't put blocker on my head.
1: She didn't put what on your head?
0: She didn't put blocker on.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, is that a thing? I, I, the girl I know, she doesn't do it, but I've seen it where it's like on your. Your forehead, so it doesn't get the uh, color stain mm-hmm, on your forehead. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. My girl just goes back with like a wipe and just wipes it all off. So,
0: do you not see my head?
1: I, yeah, I see a little bit now, a little bit of the red bleed. bleed. Yeah. Um,
0: I was going to go out in public today.
1: Oh, God. So ah, yeah. No.
0: That's what I'm not going to do.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Um. So, I'm like, okay. Uh, oh, okay, we're not going to do that. Oh, oh, you're just going to cut. No, oh, we don't do that here. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Do my roots look brown to you?
1: Hold uh, on. They look brownish red. They look more red than brown, for sure. But your hair looks red, like the actual hair, you know, portion versus the roots look red. But your roots look more red than brown. Right.
0: Right, because she didn't give me brown roots. She tried to match my roots to the color of my hair.
1: Got it. Do you like it or do you not like
0: it? No. You don't like it
1: all red? Okay. Is it because, you know, like the depth thing, like having that dimension of like Mm -hmm. brown? Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, sis, that's not what I asked for. Right. Yeah. So... The collar's in my hair before I realize what she's doing. This is a no turnaround zone at this point.
1: Yeah. You're like, it's in there. I have to let it process. I got to let this finish. And also, as you know, red is fades like a mother. So it's going to be out in the next couple (laughs) of the week or so. Yeah. So at least that'll give you enough time to find Mm -hmm. (laughs) another person. Um, Do you
0: see the rest of my hair? Sure. She didn't touch it.
1: Oh, she She didn't didn't do anything with her. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. So out of 10, five, we're going five on this half and half. Like it doesn't, it's not the worst thing ever but it's not what you asked for. And also she didn't finish. oh, oh, oh,
0: Oh, it gets better. there's more so yeah then she says you probably could use this treatment and you probably could use this treatment like suggesting things right next thing I know we're at the bowl and she goes okay so I just put this treatment on oh Oh, I I, I'm sorry I thought those were optional things and you were going to ask me before you did it okay all right okay so we, she just did the treatments anyways. So then we go, we, we, we rinse, we treatment. So then, okay, we're done with that. We go back and she was like, so how often were you cutting your hair? I go, well, like every other time. Cause I just trim it. And she goes, well, do you need a cut? I was like, I don't know. Do I? You're the one looking at my hair.
1: Right. Does it look dry and dead? Then yeah. Trim all that shit
0: off there. She goes, Well, did you keep it cut in a V? I was like, No, it was not cut in a V. So I don't know how that happened. She's like, Well, I guess it was breakage. Do you want to like straighten it out? I was like, Yeah, let's get it straightened out. So while we're discussing cutting my hair, the receptionist comes over and I hear her say there was a problem with the 1230 bookings and can she take a 1230? It's twelve o'clock, so all of a sudden she's like, "Yeah, so um, we'll do that cut on you next time."
1: Uh-huh. You're like, "Okay," because you go to twelve thirty all of a sudden. Is that why?
0: Yes, ma'am. That's <laughs> why. So, um, yeah, I'm like, "The oh, fuck, yeah, yeah." And then I got up to pay. Do you want to know how much I?
1: Oh, I'm scared to ask now because, like, everything that just happened to you, you could do with a box dye, really, Mm -hmm. except the treatment, of course, you know. But besides that, like, girl, you could have just grabbed a box dye of red and just done your roots for bucks, (laughs) yeah.
0: Um. Including my tip, which I should not have tipped her. But um, I'm not an asshole. And I know everyone's thinking, well, why did you be an asshole? Well, I fell for the mom, single mom of two kids bullshit. And really, I was just in shock of A, what happened to me, and B, my total. After tip. 360 dollars no
1: no girl you are fucking lying to me Mm, absolutely not my husband will tell you I'm not fucking
0: lying he's
1: uh, it'd be different if you got absolutely everything you wanted you know Mm -hmm. like because I mean let's be real women it costs fucking money it costs money to do your hair you also have thick hair so mm-hmm. it takes longer to process. There's a little mm-hmm. bit more to be Like it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Cutting, coloring, everything, right? Right. Treatment, treatment included, 300. If everything was included, correct. I'd be like, yep. But absolutely not for what you got. Absolutely not.
0: I got my root done for $360. Oh my God. Well.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: Now, I'm not going to be an act. And I'm not gonna say the name of the place or the name of the girl. No. I'm gonna be that person. I just was actually during my blowout, I'm laughing to myself because this is not happening to me. Like and I normally I would say something, but what do you can't fix my roots now? Like you can't. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you do the rest of my hair? Like it's not going to be what I want,
1: you know? Yeah, no, that's craziness. Well, I was completely wrong (laughs) because when you were texting me, I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, my girl does the mixing too. Okay. That's normal. Yeah. Got it. But then, um, yeah, no, not for $300. Like, I, I mean, girl. No, that's not worth at all $300.
0: So our our mutual friend, I do have an appointment with her on
1: July the 11th. Got it. So you just need to maintain between now and then is what you're saying. So
0: I couldn't, she was like, I I can't get you in until then that this is the situation. I'm like that. I, so I was like, I told her, I was like, damn, I was really hoping to be able to come and see you or whatever. So we, we. I was like, well, maybe if I get someone else to like a one-time situation, then I can go ahead and schedule you with you for then. She's like, cool, cool. I'll get you in
1: on the 11th. And, um, I was like, all right. So good. Oh my God. How many more times are you going to have to like concern yourself with, holy shit, I got to do my roots
0: i'm never i'm not going back until i see her
1: okay so you're not gonna even box dye it you're like no, F it. no it, it,
0: if i put box dye in my hair
1: I, it will
0: fuck up when i go get it done again
1: right yeah yeah you're right yeah because there's like certain pigments that they use in box dye that they don't use and like the salons that can like and and chemicals yeah exactly so <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I will say that So, so it can not look bad. Like, right. So at least it's not like, holy shit, my hair looks like a tiger or something like that, where it's like bright orange or something
0: crazy. So at least it's not like I,
1: that. Yeah. You know, in case you guys miss,
0: you know, Saturday, April 23rd episode of the Amanda show. I don't know if it's playing on Netflix or Hulu because um, they won't let me out. They won't tell me where the (laughs) egg
1: is. um,
0: That's what happened at 10
1: a.m. Oh my gosh, girl. T's and P's, man. That's insane. Insane. But I, oh God, I'm glad that it's over (laughs) for you. And that you're going to be going to somebody that I know is going to take care of your, your shit. Because she will. She's really good. She understands color theory. And she's taught me all this stuff about my hair. I was like, what? <laughs>
0: no clue. So Now, full disclosure, that $360 did include one product.
1: Okay. So she got you to buy a product, too. But I had 20% off. Yeah, you better. Shit, she should have taken 20% off her service too because she didn't do 20% or more of the work.
0: Now, the product was something I ran out of and I needed more of anyways. So it wasn't like she got me to buy the fucking product, okay? Right,
1: but still, you didn't get everything that you had asked for.
0: Now, if I had booked my next appointment with her today, I would have gotten $20 off my next appointment.
1: Oh, great.
0: I was like... No, I got a thing coming up, and I, I don't know the exact date, so I'm going to need to call you to book that appointment.
1: Exactly right. Like, let me call you back whenever I have my schedule ironed out more. I'm I'm super busy. Oh, my gosh. This stuff only happens to you, I tell you. You want to get into the, the, the murder? I mean, no, because no. it's sad. It is sad. This one... This one I circled around the wagons around a little bit because I was just like, Well, do I wanna do them? Do I want it to cause I kind of remember when I texted you, I was like, kind of a two parter, if you wanna do it, up to you. I don't know. But So I, did... I told her to make it one part. <laughs> yes. She did. She was like, please don't do a two parter. Because we've already done that to y'all quite a bit lately. So
0: You're welcome. Yep. You get to listen to us talk for five hours
1: straight. Yep. And go. Here we (laughs) go. Today, we're going to talk about a guy who's pretty famous. So if you've heard this episode, sorry, here we go. If American capitalism were a person, you'd have John List. Do you know who I'm talking about? Tell me. In 1988, Clay sculptor Frank Bender is bending over a clay bust of a man aged to around his 60s with glasses that he's been making for three months. He's about to send it to a friend who is hosting a new show about unsolved cases and people on the run. The show aired in 1989 with the clay head being the main identifying marker for this man who had been himself on the run for 18 years. Hundreds of calls come in after the show, including a previous neighbor who recognized the bust. The man was arrested at his workplace, and after this success, a new show exploded in the U.S., America's Most Wanted with Joe Walsh. The criminal was John List. And this is the story of John List. John List was born as an only child to German-Americans John and Alma List on September seventeenth, 1925 in Bay City, Michigan. He grew up in a strict Lutheran household and even taught Sunday school. John was a boring and structured child, so boring, that he made Sunday school even more boring when he taught it to kids than it already fucking is. I don't know. I know you didn't go to Sunday school. It's boring. Lutheran Sunday school is boring. Like, you know, guitar church Sunday school is fun because they actually interact with you and you know talk to you. The other ones, let's sit in a circle and here's a puppet that talks about Jesus. You know, it it was uh, awful. So, he if you can make that already mundane situation even worse, you are the worst person on the planet. <laughs> so, some people even. Barely remember him growing up, saying that he was just kind of there. That was their descriptor for him. He didn't leave an impression of any kind on of people, except later when his incessant rules and tight acidry would lead his neighbors to think he was fucking weird. His tight what? Tight acidry? No, tight ass. Okay, I made up a word. Yeah. <laughs> He was so tight assed that the FBI had him on a watch list for anyone buying a suspicious amount of hemorrhoid cream. I'm not even kidding about that detailed. That when he was 18 years on the run, that was one of the identifying factors like what you read in the previous episode was anyone buying a suspicious amount of hemorrhoid cream because he had such bad hemorrhoids. Bro, like he's a literal tight ass. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't even know where to go with that. Like, so I just, please continue. It's insane. I don't, I can't process that
1: (laughs) right now. John enlisted in the Army in 1943 during WWII and became a lab tech. He was discharged in 1946 at 21, where he went on to get a bachelor's degree in business, business administration from the University of Ann Arbor, and then a master's degree in accounting. See, the thing about John is this, that he loved accounting his passion and nothing against any accountants out there but not exactly the most sexy of professions to be like in love with and context of John being already kind of a boring guy and him like again no offense picking one of the most boring in my opinion jobs I mean people can like numbers you can love numbers but you know race car driver accountant uh... Right? It's real hard to become a race car driver. Yeah. But as a boy, are you growing up going, man, I really can't wait to become an accountant when I grow up. I'm not a boy, so no. But did you? Were you like, hell yeah, accountant. (laughs) No. Exactly. That's my point. You know, it's like, I want to be an astronaut. And little John List is like, I'm going to be an accountant. Like that was him. And the kids are oh my God. But here's the thing. John wasn't a good accountant. He was actually not a good, he was, I mean, he did his work, he did his job, but he wasn't, he was mediocre at it. Like. Yeah.
0: What makes a good accountant and a bad accountant?
1: Well, I'm, I'm saying like he, sometimes numbers would be wrong here and there. Like Oh, okay. Yeah. I I gotcha. You You, got to make your numbers right.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the
1: whole basis of your job. Maybe he was dyslexic and it was hard. Possibly, but John was too stubborn to give a shit and try to find a profession that was more aligned to his actual skill set. Nope. Accountant. I have to be an accountant. Okay. So. Numbers are hard. Yep. That's why I'm not an accountant. (laughs) Right here. Along with being an ardent, strict Lutheran, Missouri Senate Lutheran, from what I learned, which is medium strict when it comes to lutheranism there's wisconsin which is what i was which is extremely strict missouri and then there's another one ecls or ecs or something like that which is more like accept gays female pastors everything else but from um, missouri senate on down i don't think they allow women to speak in church still so but oh, that could be that's wrong. fun yeah that's fun correct um he was also a staunch capitalist and republican He believed that welfare was accepting a handout and basically worse than death, that the only true way to get ahead was through capitalism. And if you were a true Christian, then you would be blessed monetarily through your hard work in the capitalist system. If this is not happening, then you are not living your life correctly. This is also how I was raised 1000%. Capitalism, success equals doing the right things, perfect all the time in front of the right people, And being a Christian all through this, right? And if you're a good enough Christian, then all of these things should align and you should be successful. And, you know, trickle down economics essentially also works. And don't worry, you work hard enough and you can be just like Elon Musk. No, that's a lie. Yeah. So he, John List, hook, line, and sinkered the American dream hard. He took it all in. Very much so. He became that person. So John was the kind of guy who would also preach this at people. So you're like, okay, John. Okay, cool. You're just getting your your little glass of water at the water cooler. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to get this little drink. Shit, here comes John. Hey, John. And then he's like coming over at you. Hey, how's it going? You know, whatever. Talk, talk, talk. And then, you know, you get into it. And you're like, good God. Why are we talking about this? I just want to go back to my desk. My break's over. I gotta go.
0: I work with, like, the female versions of John (laughs) Lyft. You too.
1: (laughs) So get this.
0: Oh, my Dios mio.
1: Yeah. John would also wear suits all the time. Now, granted, this is the 50s, 60s. That's common.
0: That's what they do, right? Yeah.
1: But after World War II, remember, women started wearing pants in factories. Factories because they had to do the work in the factories because all the boys were overseas. Mm-hmm. Well, they kept wearing them afterwards because turns out it's really fucking comfortable. Pants are awesome. And John didn't like this. Oh, and, poor John. Yeah. He also would wear suits. And then I say all the time. I'm talking all the time. He would mow his lawn in suits. He would go on quick errands in suits. He never left the house without a suit on at all ever yeah it like obnoxious to the point where like we get it dude we fucking get it okay i mean wouldn't it take longer
0: to get on get that suit on than it would to like go the local wag bag Uh, yes
1: exactly my point you probably spent at least 20 30 minutes getting ready for like a five minute trip plus you're mowing the lawn in a suit bro Not nobody did that back then either Nobody did that. Even his neighbors no. would like see him and be like, "What the hell? You're ruining your suit, dude." Right?
0: Like, like, is that a special lawn mowing suit?
1: I guess maybe he did. Maybe he had some that were like lawn mowing suits and walking yeah. to the mailbox suits The and... lawn mowing suits green. <laughs> right? Oh god. Ay ay ay. So, he would he needed this because it projected the image of success of course right this was his like yep this is it this is top american success is what i am doing with my life especially after taking such a hard stance on what this looks like this kind of attitude carried him for the rest of his life in 1950 when he was 25 the korean war was kicking off he was called back into the military And he was stationed at Fort Eustis in Virginia. He met Helen Taylor, who was a war widow of a man killed in action in Korea. And she had a daughter named Brenda. Helen had a really rough go at life, I will say. Um, She was rendered almost blind as an infant when the doctor who delivered her splashed ether in her eyes. I don't know how that happened. It was obviously an accident, but holy shit.
0: I think they used ether for the mother as like a epidural type situation. Right. So it was probably sitting next to the bed and got tumped over or something. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously the doctor didn't mean to do that, but geez, poor kid. So she, when you see photos of her, her eyes are like kind of like off a little bit because she was partially blind. And then her husband, the one who was killed in action... Gave her syphilis, which was rampant in the military at the time, so rampant that the drugs that they could have given to her to treat her syphilis were given to all the GIs because there were so many soldiers with syphilis. So instead of ever being treated for syphilis, she just had it until her final day. And it just started eating her brain from the inside out, which that's what it does. You know, basically, yeah, yeah you get like dementia and all that stuff. It and it had i guess uh, you could say alcoholism yeah well, so
0: she, i mean she's not well, helping her own i'm blind i'm partially blind i have syphilis from my husband yeah
1: i'm going to be an alcoholic too yeah yeah and i don't i don't mean to victim blame there by any means god no um it's just like all of these things are happening to her you know and it's like oh helen you just can't catch a break can you I'm I'm gonna be an alcoholic too. Yeah. Now, I will say this. From what I understand of Helen, she was not a nice person at all. She was a very she was a ballbuster. She could be really mean. And she she was was also drunk drunk all all the time. time. Exactly, exactly. So and when John and Helen met, it was wasn't necessarily like love at first sight. It was more like, oh nice. And it was a marriage of necessity because in 1951, Helen said that she was pregnant. She wasn't. She just did it to get him to marry her. Of course she wasn't. Uh So he married her. And then, you know, of course, think about this. That means he would have had to at least have sex with her once to think. So he gets syphilis. No, he doesn't. But I guess he thinks premarital sex is okay with his religion, but everything else is not okay. I mean, you know what I mean?
0: In my book, I mean, not in my book, but in the book that you that the religious people tend to preach towards
1: everyone else, premarital sex is not okay. Right, exactly. And that's why I'm like, wait, what? So you'll bend the rules for yourself John but not anybody. Okay, I see how this is going. I see how this is. Yeah. So they stayed together after he found out. He was pissed, of course. I mean, who wouldn't be? You shouldn't do that to somebody. But he was like, eh, you know, we're married. And because of my religion and my beliefs and everything else, we're married forever now.
0: So they okay. have three
1: kids. Okay.
0: Okay. So premarital sex, yes. Divorce, no? Correct. Okay. Sure, John. That looks bad. Divorce
1: looks bad. It looks like you failed. You're a failure.
0: Oh, okay, but yep. premarital
1: sex? Well, you know, boys will be boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See? It's not that hard. <laughs> so they had three kids together, Patricia, John Jr., and Frederick. Did they have syphilis? No. Well, I thought you could get it. Uh, I don't know. Can you get it? I thought, I don't, like, I don't know. Other ones, like AIDS, I think you can, but I don't know. I don't know about syphilis. I don't know. Hmm. It was a question. Uh, John finished his uh, tour of Korea in 1952 and started working at a paper company in Kalamazoo. Seven years later in 1959, he was a general supervisor of the accounting department. And while John was climbing the ladder, keep in mind, this is the U.S. in 1950s. So we got hyper patriotism uh, and John was a firm believer in the American way. So he is living his dream. He and Helen would participate in, you know, those 1950s company parties, you know, given the appearance of being like the perfect American family. But at these parties, Helen would drink and get drunk and talk about her previous husband and what a great guy he was. Of course and, she would. Because yeah. she loved him. And then she would like do shit where it'd be like, everyone just needs to loosen up. And, and so she would go around the party and like basically tell the women to like take their strap down on their dress and shit. And everyone's like, is she okay? Like, girl, like, chill. Don't be that guy. So, um, obviously, John started to really resent her, even more than he already did previously, because of all this behavior was unacceptable to him, of course. But instead of talking to her about it, he's deciding to bottle it all up and just keep it all inside and toe the line. That's what we do. Yep that's what we do nope you can't have feelings and emotions nope nope that's the wrong impression we're strong american blue-blooded men america america exactly right so she would also call john at work and ask him to come home anytime the kids like dirtied a diaper like she'd be like hey john kid dirty the diaper you better come home and change it click and that's it she would sit there and drink oh yeah. yeah she's not great <laughs> yeah. she's not a great that's why i know it's kind of like trying to like parse take my words carefully at the beginning i'm like no you're gonna start to not really like helen <laughs> she's something she is something yeah she might just be <laughs> and this is herself. why i say i don't feel like i feel like her alcoholism wasn't like a oh my life is so horrible it was like fuck yeah. you know it was like a, i'm gonna stay 20 forever kind of vibe like yeah party girl for life you know like yeah girl you need to chill no. down no no lilo <laughs> calm down <laughs> exactly she had an s- expensive taste as well of course she uh, did huh i'm not shocked by anything anymore uh, uh, right she once bought 900 dollars uh, for a baby changing table in like the 60s which is around eighty nine hundred dollars i'm table, sorry right? what for a baby changing I'm, table i'm sorry what it better be fucking gold, dude. It, not even the stroller. No. The changing table. Yeah. And by the way, at this point, she was a five glass of whiskey a day drinker. So. John is not exactly living in the most healthy relationship, but. But he's murder's also... never the answer. Exactly. And say something, dude. Say hey. Maybe we need to talk about you getting into counseling here for all these issues. And maybe we should get some freaking pills for your syphilis. And I don't know. Like, you know, work from this. Of all, first of all, he would have just taken her to
0: a church counselor.
1: Which, hell, even, I'll take it. I'll take it at this point. Right? She's not doing good. But instead, he's choosing to not say anything and just be like... Ugh. See something, say something. Exactly. Exactly. So... He believed it was his duty to not say anything, of course, and keep up appearance and give her everything that she wanted because that's what men are supposed to do, to provide for their families. And no matter what it was, he was like, okay, fine.
0: I mean, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about something for a minute. Pod heavy, if you're listening, I need you to give me everything that I want, but I'm not a cunt. (laughs) I don't sit home and drink all day. Mm Mm-hmm. And they call and say, hey, the kid's dirty the diaper, come change it. She doesn't deserve everything she wants. Me? I deserve everything. It depends on the
1: situation. Yeah, and you've you got to put effort in. There has to be, it's a two-way street. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, and keep in mind, John wouldn't just pay for things because he loved her and, like, loved his family. No. It was to keep up appearances. Right. Right.
0: True justice does it. in the
1: American way.
0: My husband does it. My husband. Husband. <laughs> you like it? He does it because he loves me. Yep.
1: The other thing about John was he kept an extremely strict household. So it was like, they all do. Yeah, very strict. You know what the kids wore. All this shit. Because he's also, he likes America in the fifties. That is his shit. So. In 1960, Brenda, Helen's daughter from the previous relationship, left the house to be married just so she could get out of the house. Oh, you know, it's like, um, Betty Lou's daughter. Exactly. They're like, fuck all of this. However I need to get out of this home, I'm going to do it. And that's exactly what Brenda did. Brenda, from what I understood, you know, married a couple more times and is living her life. Bless you. Bless you, you poor girl. (laughs) Like, good, good on you for getting out of there. Um... John and the family then moved to Rochester, New York, where he took a job at Xerox in the accounting department, again, rising to the rank of director. This was as far as he could go at Xerox, and this wasn't enough of a title for him. So he quit and worked at a bank as a VP and comptroller in New Jersey City, New Jersey, where the family moved again, then to Westfield, New Jersey, because he didn't like the banking industry, but he wanted the title and he would do anything to get it. So He kept moving in and out of jobs, not because it was even pay would be more, just because of the title change. So he moved from like the paper industry, to the banking industry and all this shit. And you're like, you know what? You can call me queen shit eater
0: (laughs) if I get paid enough money. Like I'm not going to eat shit. Of course. Like I will do like fucking data entry and that can be my job title as long as you're going to pay me enough money. Right. You know. I
1: know, but for him, again, this is an appearances thing. I'm a VP of a bank, you know, versus anything else. It's just, okay, dude, it's so exhausting, this keeping it up and having to have all this stuff. So point is, they eventually moved to Westfield, New Jersey. And Helen, of course, when they're choosing this home, wanted the biggest mansion on the block. So they bought a 19 room, 19, one nine. Oh, that's even bigger than Harold. I know. And there's like what three kids, so five of them, five people, nineteen bedroom, Victorian house, Breeze Knoll, that was the name of it. Oh, you're bougie when you name your house. Exactly. In 1965, for around fifty thousand dollars. Guess how much that is today? Hold on, six hundred and twenty-one thousand. Ooh, you're actually over. Get ready to be even more upset. Four hundred and fifty thousand three hundred and forty-two dollars for a nineteen-bedroom home, y'all. I mean, four hundred and fifty k gets you a one-bedroom,
0: one-bath efficiency. Oh my god! Garden in some in somebody's shed in their backyard nowadays.
1: Dude, seriously, I saw this TikTok of this guy. All he does is read the highest and lowest sold house that day in like LA County. Mm -hmm. The highest was $20 which I looked at it and I was like, okay, cute. Like the beach view. Very nice. The lowest was $500,000. Guess what that fucking shit looked like? It looked like somebody's shed in their backyard. A meth home. Seriously. It looked like a meth house with, it had bars on the windows. Of course it did. It was like, and I'm like, are you in, this is insane. I'm going to name my house. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. So this is in the 1960s, Okay, time of political and social uprising where younger generations standing up for themselves, learning they had a voice where people were protesting the war and entering the Vietnam War. Women and people of color were protesting for their basic rights. And the ideals of the 1950s were quickly being lost in this new progressive world. Because of that, there was a moral panic that the traditional ideals of the 50s and beyond were being lost and the fabric of America was being torn apart. Glad to see we've come so far from that so far, you know? So John eventually lost his bank job, but he didn't tell anybody in the family that he lost his bank. job. Of course he didn't. Instead, he went to the train station each morning and sat there reading for eight hours before taking the train home, pretending to work. He kept up the ruse. And when his mom had to move into the house, this was the perfect opportunity for him to start draining her savings so he could keep up this appearance bullshit. And they were also massively in debt. And he had like up to three mortgages, I read, on the house. So 50, 50, 50. So basically, what would that be? Over a million dollars in mortgage on the home at this point. Whatever. It's insane. Insane. John was not happy about the 1960s because, you know, everyone's like basically going the complete opposite of how he thinks America should be. And when his daughter Patricia started taking drama classes in high school and even once wore a T-shirt with a peace symbol on it, he knew he was starting to lose his family to these new ideals. Oh, my house is going to be named the Astoria. Ooh, the Astoria. I like it. It's pretty.
0: Thanks. Is the name of the town... In the Goonies. Oh god.
1: How did I know? I was like, it's gonna be tied to the Goonies somehow. How did I know? I like it. That's a pretty name. From now on, just say you're coming to the Astoria. (laughs) Oh
0: god.
1: Why does that make a house so much more bougie? Why does it? Right? It's weird. You could just say, Hey, come by the house. And I'd be like, okay. You say come by the Astoria. It's like, oh.
0: You're you, I could say, are you coming over today? Or I could say, are you coming to the Astoria today?
1: <laughs> well, I'll know now what you mean when you say the Astoria. It's my house now. <laughs> I'm a bougie bitch. Um, so also during this time, 60s, Helen's not doing good. Her syphilis is really starting to take effect. She's starting to get like um, epileptic seizures and and it's... It's bad. I, start, I mean, obviously her alcoholism is getting worse. And then, of course, these kids are, you know, going to pot, you know, over oh, here having oh. their own ideas and their own oh, thoughts. Oh, they're smoking the pot? No, not even. These kids were good kids. Like, these weren't even the hippie kids at the time. Like, they're like in high school. But, nope, not even. So, at this point, he was like, you know what? Time for me to take matters in my own hands. Oh, can't like, wait. John, ever the planner, decided to ask Helen and the kids how they would like to be buried on November 5th, 1971. And he asked us at, like, the dinner table. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? Very chill. Very normal.
0: I can't say we've never had a discussion at my dinner table
1: about how I want to be cremated and turned into a tree little different than you asking your children directly to their faces how they want to be buried. Assuming that you're going to be alive and they won't be at the time. I'm just saying, like... You know what I mean? I, I'm just saying. No, I know. I think it's healthy to talk about death, but not in this way. The, inf- the implication was, hey guys, real quick, how do y'all all want to be buried? Inferring that y'all are not going to be here very much longer and I need to know your wishes.
0: I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, this is a conversation that has
1: been had at my dinner table. But anyhow. Yeah. Well, obviously, the kids were shocked at this. They're like, what are you talking about, Dad? That's weird. And they were like, I don't know, buried, I guess. But they were definitely concerned because of how it was approached, what was said, and only he was the one talking. It was like, uh, okay um patricia even told her drama teacher what her father said and that if he heard that they were on vacation to basically call the cops because her dad had killed them all so that's what she told her drama teacher
0: so and did the drama teacher then do anything
1: Mm -mm. this is
0: the 60s Nope.
1: yep i'm sorry to say he did not you mind your own yep He was like, okay, and moved right the fuck on. Yeah. December 7th, 1971, the neighbors started seeing the lights in the list house go out after being on for more than a month. Then the drama teacher that hadn't heard from Patricia in quite a while, after having received a call from John at the school stating that the family was away for an undisclosed period of time on an extended vacation, decided to stop by the house. He's like, Wow, that extended vacation sure is taking a long time. Didn't Patricia say something about that? Oh, yeah. Let me just swing by and see what the hell's going on. Well, when he walked in, it wasn't hard to find the bodies of Helen, the three kids, and John's mom with John nowhere to be found. Instead, they called the cops, who then later, a couple days later, found his car at the airport. After that, John went from New Jersey to Michigan to Colorado and settled in Denver in 1972, where he got a job as an accountant. Again, under the name Robert, he went by Bob Clark. It, funnily enough, is actually the name of a guy he met in college. And um, this is where he dropped off the map. The cops and authorities don't have any record of him after 1971 in December when they found his car. He, however, is literally a couple of states away. Keep in mind, we also don't have, you know, cell phones. We don't have any sort of tracking devices at all. I mean, it, it's a, it was a lot easier to disappear. A lot easier. And also, you could just walk up and say, my name is. Yeah, I because mean. Because your, your ID cards were, were even like handwritten, weren't they? So,
0: for some reason, I feel like I remember when I was younger... And my mom got her driver's license renewed. They just sent her a sticker in the mail that she peeled and stuck on the top. Exactly. And think about
1: that. Anyone could make that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that hard. There was no, like, security. Now we have, like, these foil and all this stuff, like, even in dollar bills and things. None of that existed. Nope. So it was so much easier to fall off the map. And he did just that. He just, he literally just drove. He just drove from New Jersey to Michigan to Colorado. Bye. Later. I mean and the other thing is is photographs. Okay, so now we have social media. So if you've ever uploaded one photo of you online, you exist online, even if you took it down. Back then you had to have a physical photograph of a human being that you then had to physically get printed to distribute to everyone else to go, hey, look out for this person. Yeah. So time effort money who's going to do that nobody no they're going to say holy shit where is this guy we're going to call the fbi which they did and then the fbi spent 18 years trying to find him and my crew remember <laughs> so oh gosh he went through the exact same pattern this time controller at a paper box manufacturer instead of a paper factory joined a lutheran church started teaching sunday school and he eventually met dolores miller and married her in 1985 Oh, Dolores. I know, honey. They then moved to Midlothian, Virginia in 1988, where they stayed until Mary, Mary, pff, May 1989, where his face was plastered all over America's Most Wanted, and he was finally captured after 18 years.
0: Can you imagine if that's your husband?
1: She didn't. She was like, really, Bob? No. they, they had to. They, the cops had to go, no, honey, he's not. Bob and she's like what I mean I probably I would do the same thing to be honest I'd be like and then I'd be really fucking pissed <laughs> it's so mad I mean they might as well put me in cuffs too because I would have killed
0: that motherfucker like I would have saw the episode I would have processed and then before they could get him I would get him absolutely because think of like
1: the the lies on lies on lies on lies yes it's insane and then to keep it up yes for that many years and he he would have had to have slipped up. Oh, for sure. But still, like I'm sure it was one of those things where it's like, oh you. You know what I mean? You just or you don't hear it. What would you say? Nothing. Okay. I don't know. So what happened in the house? Here is the timeline of events. And the reason why we know it's so detailed is because, well, you'll 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 understand why. November 9th, 1971. About little about a month before december 7th when they found the bodies john left a note outside for the milkman to cancel the delivery for the foreseeable future waking up in the morning he then met helen downstairs in the kitchen where she got her first cup of coffee for the day he then shot her in the back of the head he then went up to his mom's room and shot her above the left eye rolled her in a carpet and put her in a closet he went back downstairs and dragged helen's body into the ballroom that's right i said ballroom of the house and put her inside a sleeping bag and then cleaned up some of the blood his next phase didn't exactly go according to plan because kids patricia and the boys were supposed to be home at the end of the day so he had planned other things in the meantime other things to cancel newspapers calling the school blotty blotty, blotty. you know the usual checking off the boxes on your list yeah you no, know your, your murder day. boxes your murder boxes exactly this is what I'm telling you about how boring this motherfucker is. He made a checklist for his murder day. I mean, let's be uh, honest.
0: If you don't want to get caught, you make a checklist.
1: Obviously, it worked for him. It yeah, I you're right. But still, what a boring piece of trash. So, And that's why you would get caught and he did it. Probably. <laughs> so, Patricia called early around noonish saying she was sick at school. Come pick me up, dad. So he's like, oh, so it goes. He picks her up. He pulls on the driveway and they're about to get out of the car. He rushes out of the car, runs inside and then hides behind the door of the gun and shoots her in the back of the head as she's coming inside the house. What the fuck, bro? Like, OK, he then closed his mother's bank account because he had used up all her money, mailed all the letters he needed to mail, and ate some lunch before picking up Frederick from his after-school job, and unfortunately did the same thing to him that he did to Patricia. Then John Jr. came home unexpectedly and early, not prepared for this. They struggled. John shot him, but he shot him repeatedly. So that's why the cops kind of thought, hey, there was a struggle here. Maybe he walked in. On something that was happening but unfortunately he didn't make it placed him in the ballroom in a sleeping bag with the others he then straightened all the sleeping bags put towels on their faces and prayed for them of course he did mm-hmm. in one of the letters that he wrote it was a five-page letter to his pastor and i have the entire thing yeah uh i can read like a little section of it it's it's pretty basically just summarize. Yeah. I'm just going to start at the beginning. Dear Pastor Reinwinkle, I'm sorry to add this additional burden to your work. I know that what has been done is wrong from all that I've been taught, and that many reasons that I might give will not make it right, but you are the one person that I know. That while not condoning this, will at least possibly understand why I had to do this. 1. I wasn't earning anywhere near enough to support us. Everything I tried seemed to fall to pieces. True, we could have gone bankrupt and maybe gone on welfare. 2. But that brings me to my next point. Knowing the type of location that one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children, plus the effect on them, knowing that they were on welfare, was just more than I thought that they could and should endure. I knew they were willing to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. And three, with Pat being so determined to get into acting, I was also fearful as to what that might do to her continuing to be a Christian. I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. Oh, and four, also with Helen not going to church, I knew that this would harm the children eventually and their attendance. Blottedy blottedy blottedy. I see, I had to do it. I had He didn't have a choice. No, because they, they were falling away. They were falling away, Pastor Reimingold. Well, surely you understand. Dude, can you imagine, as a pastor, like, what in holy hell is this person thinking? Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. So he, like I said, he called the school, extended vacation, turned on all the lights in the house, turned down the AC, because, you know, rotting bodies, turned on his favorite classical music station, on the radio, and left the house. Before he was discovered, the FBI dedicated that, like, countless hours trying to find him with agents in 23 offices trying to find him around the world including south america and europe some even thought that he was db cooper because the sketch looks like him and it actually kind of does it's weird but he was it's not it's absolutely not he's nowhere near that cool (laughs) nowhere near when they arrested him they matched his fingerprints fingerprints to the ones in his military records To make sure that Bob Clark was, in fact, John List, even though they basically look almost exactly the same.
0: I mean, because he
1: wasn't smart enough to probably get some plastic surgery. No, and he didn't, because a lot of times when these guys go out on the run, they gain a lot of weight. So Mm -hmm. it also changes your appearance, of course, but he didn't. He pretty much looked the same weight, everything, he just looked older. And funnily enough, the clay sculpture that was made of him was damn good it looked almost exactly like his face so that sculpture's phenomenal um so anyway he of course didn't admit he was john list even with the cops literally going uh dude we have your fingerprints like we know who you are like you don't come on man (laughs) you got nothing it's like an episode of psych it is exactly (laughs) it wasn't until 1990 that he admitted who he was and remember they they um Arrested him in 89, so it took him a couple months to a year to kind of go, okay. He was convicted of five counts of first-degree murder on April 12, 1990, and served life in prison. He died there March twenty first, 2008, at 83 of complications from pneumonia. Did Dolores um, ever go visit him, or did she divorce him, or what happened with Um, Dolores? I believe she did divorce him very shortly after he got arrested. Like, okay, this was fun. (laughs) Bye. don't need this kind of drama in my life. So when asked about his crimes, John told Connie Chung in 2002 that, quote, I finally decided the only way to save them from that was to kill them. It was my belief that if you kill yourself, you won't go to heaven. So eventually I got to the point where I felt that I could kill them. Hopefully they would go to heaven and then maybe I would have a chance to later confess my sins to God and get forgiveness. Oh, so yeah. So he was sending his family to heaven. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. According to a court psychiatrist, John had obsessive-compulsive personality disorder and there were only two ways to solve his problem, welfare or killing his family to send them to heaven. And see, people who believe that heaven is a place where we all ultimately belong believe that life, this life, is a stopover or um, on their way to their actual home, which is heaven. No, oh, Jesus. So it was not only that far out of reach. It was, sorry, it was it wasn't that far out of reach for John to go. Okay, this is a solution if you believe that. And that's what I was taught too. Just so you know. That's what I was taught. My heavenly heaven is my home is a song that we say. So, this is not far out of a realm of the right mixture here of capitalism, ultra conservative christianity and his own psychosis equals what happened here and you've probably heard this surround mfm they do a phenomenal job I like nowhere near who had a storyteller as karen and other places but there's a little rumor that their mansion um was very expensive okay the bodies again they're found in 19 rooms in the ballroom and the ballroom has skylight now allegedly the skylight was a tiffany original which if it were true was worth around $100,000 at the time or $620,000 today. Meaning his issues with money would have been solved by selling not just the house, but the skylight. Just the skylight would have solved his entire money issue. All of it.
0: But then he wouldn't have had a Tiffany skylight inside
1: of his home and (sighs) look successful. Unbelievable. I know, right? So basically, all of these people died for no other reason than to keep up the appearances of a perfect American family propagated by mental illness and John's ego. Quote, I feel when we get to heaven, we won't worry about these earthly things. They'll either have forgiven me or won't realize, you know, what happened. I'm sure that if we recognize each other, that we'll like each other's company, just as we did here when times were better. Oh, suck it. Eat a dick, John. Seriously. And that is John List. Uh bleh. Yeah. Family Annihilators. I was going to go into this whole thing about the different types, but uh, it's just like, ugh, fuck them all. <laughs> it's just horrible. Yeah. So I'm going to, I don't even want to talk about
0: him anymore. But that's fine, Can please. Can we just move on to our trophy, Dad? Yeah, absolutely. He makes me feel icky. hmm So I found, I, you get a twofer. Ooh. Because twins? one led me to the other. Okay, okay. So, Gregory Wickhurst, or Greg Wickhurst, he's a single dad to two-year-old Izzy. Well, little Izzy wanted her hair put up in a ponytail, and Greg had no idea what he was doing. So he did what any trophy dad would do. He went to the cosmetology department at Illinois teletech college where he works and took a hairstyling class whoa so he didn't even youtube it he was
1: like oh wait no i can go take an actual class Uh uh-huh wow
0: so before long he was not only able to do a ponytail but braids and buns and other things like that and he posts izzy's hairstyles on facebook where he gives and receives pointers as well as tutorials on hair braiding for other dads that so while looking up greg I found the Daddy-Daughter Hair Factory. What? It's an organization that puts together hair classes for dads. And this was started by a single father, Felipe Morghese. Because when it comes to hair and nails, it can be hard for dads. So Felipe had no idea what to do with his daughter's hair. And then she fell in love with the movie Tangled, and she continued to grow her hair longer and longer. So Felipe did what any trophy dad would do. He learned to braid his daughter's hair. And he was so good at it, he landed on the Tyra Banks show Fab Life. Oh, wow. And this motivated his male friends to ask for help, and that's how Felipe got his idea to create classes. So a year after he created his classes... The Daddy-Daughter Hair Factory had hosted 33 classes across the country with about a dozen dads teaching other dads the basics and not-so-basics of hair care. The classes are free and so cozy, a child's hair product line provides donated or discounted products for the cause. Wow. So not only is this a way for dads and daughters to bond with each other, but for other dads to bond
1: Together With, yeah, as well. Like as a community.
0: Mm-hmm. And the dads use um, the DDHF Facebook page to keep in touch, trade tips, and brag about their new hair and nail accomplishments. I love it. And um, so Greg Wickhurst, he has an Instagram and a Twitter where he does his daughter's hairstyles. They're both the hair dad. Oh, that's great. And then... Um, The Daddy-Daughter Hair Factory has a Facebook page. I think it's DDHF on Facebook.
1: Oh, I love that. Where you can go and you
0: can see the dads.
1: Yeah. Dude, that's incredible. What a great way to support each other and then also learn. Because I feel like that's really important. Like, just to understand how to do wonderful things with your kids and for your children. And also just how to, like, take care of them. Because... You know, some dads are single dads, or you know, they d- never got taught themselves how to do any of these things, which is totally fine. But going, hey, let me try to understand this and work it.
0: Yeah, I Love mean, it. as a like, if you're a single father, yeah, you do have to do your child's hair in the morning, you know, before sure. school or whatnot. Yeah, and you're lost; you don't know what to do. And then, you know, to find a community of other dads in the same situation. Yeah. Not only to learn to do your child's hair, which, A, it's a bonding thing between you and your child, mm-hmm. to do those things together. Hey, we're going to hair class. I can only imagine how excited those um, children are. Yeah, seriously. To go to hair class with their dad. To and have be their... there together.
1: It's like a, moment, yeah. like a shared experience. How fun. And then
0: to have other dads that can... Um, they are in the same situation as you and you can talk about things.
1: You have something to relate to each other
0: with. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. That you can say, hey, I'm going through this. Like, have you gone through this before?
1: Right. And help raise children Mm -hmm. together. I Mm -hmm. love that.
0: And even if you're not a single father. Oh, yeah. It's a way for you to bond with your child. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yep, You, You two can go away from mom, gives mom time alone she can sit in a hot bath, go shopping, do whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're spending time with your child, just the two of you having your bonding time.
1: And the, I love It's so sweet. How cool.
0: You should see the pictures. They're oh so Oh my cute. God.
1: I'm going to look after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh.
0: And then for a child's hair care line to provide donated or discount products as well. Yeah. like I think
1: is amazing. Yeah. Because again, it's not cheap. No. And kids are not cheap. So to be able to have like good hair care products for kids is important. Absolutely. That are at an affordable price for most people. Ah, oh. So I know that was like real short, but. Well, no, that's, that was awesome. That
0: I mean. I loved it. I know. I didn't even know that existed. I didn't either. So I found, you know, my friend Greg and I was reading his story and doing his story. And then he mentioned the daddy daughter hair factory. and I'm like, ooh, what is that? I'm like, oh,
1: I got to talk about them too. Absolutely. Well, hey, daddy-daughter hair factory dads. If you listen to this, way to go. That's awesome. Y'all are super, like, badasses. Come do my hair for me. Oh, God, I know. I can't, I can't braid my own. Well, I can't French braid my own hair. I can, like, braid the fronts of it. But psh. if I have to put my hands up behind my head for a longer, no, that's not going to happen
0: that's not gonna happen I used to be able to I used to actually give a shit if
1: I looked nice mm-hmm. um, and then the Rona for me I was like F it <laughs> you know pandemic world fucked me up yeah seriously it's like uh, okay why aren't we all just trying to make it day at a time anymore why are leggings and a t-shirt and flip-flops
0: not work acceptable
1: I know seriously but seriously, does that affect your work? Absolutely not. In fact, I'd probably feel more comfortable. Wouldn't you feel more comfortable?
0: I would get more work done because I would not be miserable. Yeah, you wouldn't be like, ugh. So we had Jeans Day at work. And, you know, normally we'd be excited about Jeans Day. God, they were so uncomfortable because I wear leggings and a t-shirt dress.
1: Yeah. And then I wore jeans. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? I don't know. Hard pants or a no. Limited amount of time for hard pants. Like two or three hours here and there. Okay, hard pants. But besides that, no. Absolutely not.
0: Strictly leggings and t t-shirt dress for me. (laughs) Yes. I have multitude leggings and five t-shirt dresses. Yeah. And I just rotate what days I wear them on. Absolutely. I mean, why not? I've been thinking about maybe I should buy, like, a couple of extra ones. I'm like, meh,
1: I'm good. Yeah, the work uniform that you got going, I think, is, it's working for you.
0: Yeah. Everybody has a work uniform.
1: Yeah. I, whether they, whether you like to admit it or not, you kind of do. You're like, oh, these are my work clothes. Whether you and, have to wear them or not, and these aren't.
0: And your work clothes, it's only, y'all don't kid yourself. Do not play with me. It's, re, it may take up half your motherfucking closet, but you only wear five of those tops and
1: five of those pants. Oh, easily. Yeah. Exactly right. Do not play with me. Yeah. Like, it's like most of the closet is for show. Like, oh, I have this fancy thing that I never wear. Why, why would I have this? Or a top that you bought three years ago. Like, I'm definitely going to wear that.
0: No, I'm not. Yeah. Don't. Do not play with me. Yeah. And tell me you have this big work wardrobe that you rotate in. and out. No, you wear the same fucking five things every week. And only the day you wear it Mm -hmm. changes.
1: Yep. Or you can just wear a suit all day like John last. Every single day. I said what I said. (laughs) I said what I said. Thank y'all so much for listening to us. And as always... We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.